This is the KOW Philly Soccer Show. I'm KOW's Greg Willandini with Philly Soccer Page Writer Mike Cervetio. Our guest this week is Matt DeGeorge, Union Beat Writer from the Delco Times. In the studio this week with us from Delco Times, Mr. Matt DeGeorge. Happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Welcome to the podcast wars. <laughs> yes, we're in need... <laughs> How'd that start? Anyway. It's, it's a big coup. I'm like Sweden. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you're, you're a you're mercenary. On podcast. Yeah, you're a mercenary. You just, you you know, you go to the highest bidder pretty has, much. Has, has Joe called you yet or you're not no, welcome on that not, one yet? They, yeah. they can't fit all that on screen. And by the highest bidder, we mean zero <laughs> yeah. or zero. 10% or, of nothing is exactly. still nothing. I was offered a 10% raise of nothing. So, well, yeah. so there you go. Um, so U.S. Open Cup tomorrow or tonight, depending on when you're listening to this. Against some familiar foes, the Harrisburg City Islanders. Four of the last six years. I didn't realize that. It's like, you just, oh, it's Harrisburg again. Oh, it's it's Harrisburg again. Okay. Uh, some familiar faces on that team. You got your Aaron Wheelers and your Pedro Ribeiro's of the world. I didn't realize that Pedro Ribeiro was playing down there this year. Yeah, he yeah. just, I think uh, Orlando released him and he kind of floated around and Harrisburg picked him back up. Do you remember, she, do you remember how bummed people were when he... Uh, got taken in the expansion draft. I, I was thinking about that today was... and making the argument that they should hey. have protected him instead of Fabinho. Yeah, I was slightly wrong because Fabinho's been very good. He's um, been pretty good, yeah. I mean, and, and but to, to, to Ribeiro's credit, he was very good the the year that he was here, and then he the, he was very good the next year for Orlando. He was, and he just had injury problems. I don't think he really fit Orlando's scheme yeah. because I think he probably is best at the position that Kaká plays. And obviously, you're not going to compare those two. Yeah. Right, right, They're right. both Brazilian, and that's the end of the similarities. <laughs> but he's kind of had a, a little bit of bad luck in that regard. But I think he's been playing pretty well for Harrisburg. Yeah, I think it, you know he's probably he's young enough, and I think he has you know enough tools that he could probably use Harrisburg as a as a springboard to get back in MLS. Which I see a guy like Sean Acoli in New York City who mm-hmm. has been in USL for a couple of years and is is come back. So right. you know, it's not. Not a one-way move. No, it's not unheard of, and it could happen. Uh, so, what are we gauging here on the U.S. Open Cup? I think um, the Union has a lot of aspirations in the league this year. That you know where they are on the table may speak differently, but you get you know they were in the playoffs last year and all that, and so you feel like they have their ambitions lie mainly in the league this year, but. It's the cup, and it's a competition you can win. So, I mean, what, what are we what are we gauging here? My my thought is is that Jim Curtin's still going to take this competition seriously. In the past, it's been we've been really bad in in the open or in MLS, so we need to use the Open Cup as a proxy for that. Now, what I think that the Union are doing is they're going to use it to kind of flex their depth, and that's going to hopefully carry over into MLS play. They're mm-hmm. going to see. Some different guys play. All those guys that Jim Curtin has been talking about for weeks are, you know, right on the edge of of being able to play, but someone's in front of them. And you're going to see those guys. I think I would love to see Wijnaldum play. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see Keegan Rosenberry get out there. So we have a sample of him to compare directly to Ray Gaddis. I think you're going to see Jay Simpson out there. You're going to see Derek Jones, who was stuck behind Alejandro Padoya for a lot of weeks. I really want to see Adam Najem play mm-hmm. from the start. Um, so I think... It's a different mindset. They're still going to view the Open Cup as important, but for a different reason, and I would think a, an objectively better reason. Yeah, I would agree, and I, you know, I think that they'll take it seriously too because they still think it is probably the easiest road to a trophy this year. Um, I, I don't think that they're 
prepping for uh, MLS Cup run. Hmm. Um, I think there's still a few players and yeah. probably a few years away from being able to complete compete with some of the the really elite teams in MLS. Although, you know, once you're in the playoffs, it ends up being a little bit of a crapshoot anyway. But I still I still think the Open Cup is a little bit more of a easier route to a, a trophy faster. So I do I do think that they'll take it seriously. I do think you will see some of those changes that Matt just mentioned and quite a few of those guys in the the starting eleven tomorrow. And I, I'm really pleased to hear that too. I think. Um, we might see the return of Josh Yarrow into a yeah. starting role too, which I think we've all been anxious to to get to. I mean, you have a lot of guys on this team that kind of need minutes. I mean, I think Keegan needs minutes. Derek needs minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Wijnaldum is getting minutes in Bethlehem, but yeah, you, know, you really want to see what he can do with with the with the senior team. I thought he was good in the first game. That yeah, he played. I, I, I did too. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, he's he, he's a bit more of a project than I anticipated when they signed him. I thought. Yeah, I thought he was going to come in and kind of hit the ground running. Very a raw, more. still. But yeah, he, he he seems like he's a bit more of a project. So I mean, he's getting time to kind of adjust to life down at Bethlehem. But I think he needs to get on the union more. Personally. Yeah, and I th- I think the big test in this game is in years past with the Open Cup, Jim Curtin has talked about. All right, we're gonna we're gonna make some changes, but we're still gonna put out a, a strong squad and then he'd name a team even for early games like Harrisburg and he'd still have eight or nine regulars on yeah. there. I don't think you're going to have that this time because he has more depth. So it used to be that you were choosing between God, I don't even want to summon some of the ghosts of the past, but you, you were, you were yeah. choosing from guys that were not MLS ready at mm-hmm. all. That's not the case this year. So I think that's the biggest thing that I'm going to be looking for is, Look in years past, how many changes did they make from the MLS game immediately preceding their first Open Cup game to the Open Cup? And I'd be willing to bet it was probably two or three. And usually one of those was the goalie bringing in John McCarthy or someone else like that. I think now you're going to get from the game, uh, from the last game, maybe six changes. Yeah. Maybe seven changes. I think that's fair. It's a little bit of a different situation this year, too, just because there was no game this past weekend, Mm -hmm. which isn't something that they've had the luxury of having the last couple of years. You had a couple of guys in international play, but... There was no there was no uh, MLS game this, this past weekend, so you might you might be looking at freshening some of these guys after a week layoff to get them ready for Sunday against Red Bull. And we're going to see the same system probably. We'll, we will see. If, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we are going to see that system forever. <laughs> you are going to you are going to see that system. That system will be at your funeral. <laughs> you are going to see that system until you uh, can't four two three it. one saying goodbye. Uh, I only bring that up because if we if they're going to if we're going to see Simpson in that and. We've We're already see him as a lone striker. Yeah, we've already You're seen see CJ Sapong on the wing. If yeah, and he, you know, Simpson has struggled in this in this Simpson in this system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you're going to get the best look you can out of him. I no, that's true. But <laughs> at the same time, this is if, as good a look as you're going to get. Yeah. If you need CJ Sapong to be the guy that leads you past Harrisburg, then that's symptomatic of a larger problem. If mm. five hundred, if five hundred thousand dollars a year doesn't buy you a goal against Harrisburg City, then what does it buy you from Jay Simpson? That's, it's a chance for yeah, if yep. he's in as good a form as Jim Curtin has said he is, and if he's pushing as hard for a lineup spot as Curtin says he is, then put him out there. Here's your lineup spot. Show me something. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think he's going to be. Uh, surrounded by lousy players he's going to have probably either Alberg or Elsino underneath mm-hmm. he might have a kid like Adam Najem playing as the number eight which you know we can sit here and argue which is the more direct creative 
pairing between Jones and, and Najem in terms mm. of just pure creative ability as opposed to Medujanin and, and Bedoya. He's going to have decent guys on the wings. I would imagine, you know, maybe Ilsenio, maybe Fafa Pico. Yeah. I would assume Marcus Epps is going to start. He's not going to be surrounded by, you know, he's not going to be surrounded by glorified Bethlehem Steel. He's going to have players out right, there. Right, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what he can do and and kind of give him the reins. Is we saw early, and, you know, in the, those first couple games, it's tough because he's adjusting. Then he got the really, you know, the really tough injury, and and then CJ caught fire. But again, like you said, it's you've invested so much money into this guy, and you've got one goal for it. And, and again, like I said, you know, injuries and CJ and all that. But it, it, it's still for a team that. It's not going to spend a ton mm-hmm. to have a half million dollars tied up on, on on a guy like Jay is is might be a bit of an issue. You also you also got to say if CJ Sapong goes to the Gold Cup, Jay Simpson better figure it out sooner yeah. rather yeah. than later. So yeah. I think that's a potent yeah. motivator of saying, hey, this is this potentially could be your job for the next month, mm-hmm. and if you do the job that you can, and I'm sure Jay Simpson knows this from his travels in the soccer world. He has a chance. He he could have an opening to take over this job and not have to be on the bench as much as he has yeah. been. Yeah. Um, if CJ does go to the Gold Cup, what is what is Plan B at striker? I mean, is it <laughs> is it hoping that Fabian Herbers gets healthy or Chris Pontius can slot in or? It's interesting. I I think Charlie Davies has actually looked. I forgot that he was good. on the team almost. I, it is it is difficult and Charlie. Charlie Davies. Davies. And yes. you know what? He even played for the U.S. You know, I was looking yeah. back at some of the— um, He scored, his, scored against Mexico. Exactly. One of the few—one of, what, six players, mm-hmm. six yeah. U.S. players that have scored at the Azteca, two yeah. of whom were union players? <laughs> weird. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird. <laughs> yeah, you can't see the look on my face, but it's it's a confused <laughs> emoji right now. Um, but Davies has looked good in training. He's played a little bit with steel. Mm-hmm. I think he probably could be a reserve guy between him and Fabian Herbers if you had to kind of patch it together for three, four games. Yeah. I, I think you should be able to do that. Pontius also has that experience. What do you realistically think about Sapong's chances to be included in that Gold Cup squad in the, the final roster? I mean, I've you know looking at it, I don't think you're going to push Clint Dempsey to the Gold Cup well, as much as Clint Dempsey might want that. Yeah. I think you probably want to see Jordan Morris in that situation. Uh, there's a couple other guys that might. I think he has probably a fifty-fifty shot. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I think if you look at the history of uh, U.S. soccer, especially with strikers, and you look at some of the guys that have finagled their way onto World Cup rosters, it's uh, an interesting bunch. I mean, <laughs> well, he brings a little bit of a different quality. Too, he did, which he, is he's a big, big guy. He can be. He the can play directly. Guy. Yeah, and if you're. You know, if if you're looking at him to go to the 2018 World Cup as not, you know, as the sort of heir apparent to Chris Wondolowski, maybe he has an option. I mean, you look at the way that the U.S. in the last year or so has kept guys like Alan Gordon and Wondolowski in the picture. I think that ability on set pieces and that ability to provide hold-up play and a direct option is part of that. And yeah. if you look back at some of these old World Cups, I mean, Edson Buttle made a World Cup yeah. because he yeah. caught fire. Eddie Johnson caught fire and uh, worked his way into a World Cup. Yeah, and he played, I, and he played really well in a Gold Cup. And I think uh, Charlie Davies did the same thing. Yeah. He yeah. absolutely caught lightning in a bottle in that 08 09 time and, before the accident. And I think Bruce Arena knows and understands that. And, and maybe he can play the hot and, hand. And Arena doesn't mind playing simple. Like, 
no. simple like getting a big guy in the box and throwing it at him. And yeah. when you're playing some of these CONCACAF teams, these teams that might not be as skilled, they're going to bunker against you and you need just big body that, that could knock knock a ball down in a set piece. I mean, it's, you know, you could be looking at CJ. Especially, you know, if you're going to play him as two forwards, having yeah. Jordan Morris play off of him, I think that's a pretty good pairing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would, yeah sure. Certainly would be. Um, so what do we think uh, about the game tomorrow? I mean, specifically, <laughs> I mean, we've kind of talked about the edges, but um, they're, they're, they're going to come out and to win it. I mean, obviously. Mm-hmm. They should win. Yeah. I mean, that's a team that plays two divisions below them. Yeah. Yeah. And is not even succeeding all that much two divisions below them. I mean, honestly, the, the most I've thought about so far is how to make a joke about it going 122, uh, 120 minutes because, <laughs> you know, it's probably no. going to happen. No. Um, that's not fine. I, let's, yeah, let's I know. Let's knock on something. Yeah. I, there's not a lot of wood in this studio. Well, that's why, you know, I do, I do uh, much as we were kind of grousing about it, and we're going to get into that a little bit, uh, I do enjoy this competition. I think you get... You do, too. You know, I, I, you it, know. It's the one-off quality of the mm-hmm. games, and it, it, it's just the kind of interesting refereeing. I'll I, leave it at yeah, that. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think we all want to enjoy it more, though, and that's what yeah. we were talking about right before we came on air was the the piece that Kevin Kincaid wrote and the other the other piece that, that Joe Taney wrote. Focus on the, the the lack of luster in this competition recently, where you're stuck playing the same teams over and over again. Like we said, this is the mm-hmm. fourth time we played Har- Phillies, played Harrisburg in the last six years. You've got a Cascadia Cup with Seattle and Portland. You've mm-hmm. got Red Bulls versus New York again. So you, you, all of these teams are seeing each other yeah. over and over and over again, and it really loses its luster. I think. Uh, yeah, I think. And, it, and Jim yeah. Curtin thinks he said, he said exactly that today. Yeah. yeah, I think it's kind of a, a, a chicken and the egg with this with this competition. There's not. As much interest as there should be because there's not a lot of TV and corporate sponsorship and there's not TV and corporate sponsorship because there's not a lot of interest. So right. how do you break that cycle and whose job is that? Is it U.S. soccer? Is it MLS? Is it maybe a coalition of the lower leagues get together and try to try to push this competition? I mean, like I said, it's a it's a competi- it's a great competition. It's it's a trophy. It's a trophy with something behind it where you could get into international play for your team in the in the Concacaf Champions League and, and all that. So somehow that cycle's got to be broken. But I don't know who steps up and does it. Yeah, and I think it's interesting the place that it kind of had in the headier days of NASL when NASL yeah. was really in a position to think it could challenge yeah. MLS for yeah. for be a second top major, division. Yeah. Uh, for for that status, and that was kind of a maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity there. It'll be interesting to see if the coziness of MLS and USL moving forward with how many two affiliate teams there are, mm-hmm. whether or not that is beneficial for for the U.S. Open Cup because it does ultimately come from U.S. Soccer and and USL and MLS are such big stakeholders in that yeah. process. The TV part of it, I think, has to be that's that's going to put money in the coffers and that's mm-hmm. going to allow. You know that's going to allow USL teams to offset their cost. Harrisburg City, it's maybe not feasible for them to say, "All right, we're going to go to New England every right. every year or something like that." The thing that bothers me is that, especially for a a Northeast Corridor team, there are so many options. Yeah. You have so very many options in this area, and it doesn't have to be Harrisburg all the time. No, no, you're it right. Could well, be, it could be it could be Charleston. It could, could be you know Charlotte Independence. Yeah, it it's could a, be just just yeah, something. It's been, I mean, we've seen Rochester. The, we've, yeah, we've seen Charlotte and. Yeah, and I think there's enough teams cropping up that not all of a sudden do you have to consider DC a Southern team just so mm-hmm. that you can fill out that bracket. Like you yeah. have enough teams that are there 
that you can kind of expand it. It does run into some trouble because, you know, what happens if Reading, for instance, goes on a run and or a team of their ilk goes on a run and they have two or three upsets and all of a sudden Reading with a bunch of college kids has to somehow figure out how to foot the bill to go to Columbus or something right, like that. Right. You know, I mean, that's a big deal. But Do you think U.S. soccer should subsidize some of this if if it gets that far though? I think that's, I would, that's an easy answer. I mean it's not like they're short on cash. If they can, I think I think Why can't so. they? I mean – I mean, I would, I would yeah. hope that. I mean, I, I don't think U.S. soccer is hurting for money by any no. stretch of the imagination. And I think that that would be a a good thing for them to do if if just for variety's what? sake. I think it goes back to kind of what I was asking. If U.S. soccer is going to do it, there should be kind of a, a czar of the cup for, or yeah. commissioner of the cup. You know, maybe not a full time guy, but for that six, seven months that it's happening, he's the guy that it, there's like an office and everything about the U.S. cup goes through. The Open Cup goes through. It doesn't seem like there's that cohesiveness there and I, I think if they had kind of somebody just running it and getting the corporate sponsorship getting the tv on getting you know streaming like like a better live streaming situation even if it's, even if it's streaming you, through social media social media or yeah. youtube or twitter or however you want to do it i mean that you know that could be you know kind of the tail of wax dog to get you to yeah. to, to a, an espn or a fox or something like that where i mean espn has been kind of an off and on again partner whether they do the final or they'll do stuff like that but you know, there needs to be one or two people that just kind of sit there. That's their job. Yeah. And it's just saying, uh, you know, to your point, yeah, there's probably money for it, but just kind of throwing money at it and it's not going to solve it. You need somebody that's going to have like a five, 10 year plan to say, this is what we want this competition to be instead of just every year to kind of reinvent it. It feels like. Yeah. And I think there's a little bit of faith that goes into that too, because the one thing that the FA Cup does well in its its deal with, I guess, FS1 has them as opposed to the Premier League. They have, as, or as opposed to the Premier League being with yeah. NBC, they have that incentive to get those teams out there. But they also do a good job with some lower level teams. And I think that's, you know, I, I would have to see numbers or data on this. But I'm sure that there's teams that, you know, Brentford, Sheffield Wednesday, mm-hmm. teams like that that get national U.S. dates on Saturdays. That's probably a big deal for them. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Mike, I mean, I'm as, sure a person, as a Redding person fan. that follows Reading, I mean, <laughs> anytime we're on TV is a huge thing for the, yeah. the seven Reading fans and, that I know. <laughs> exactly, and to grow and to grow some of those, you know, smaller niche fan groups. Like when Bradford City made a run a couple they, a couple years ago. A friend mm-hmm. of mine's a huge Bradford City fan because that's where he's from in England, right. and he now coaches soccer in the U.S. But that's a huge boon to kind mm-hmm. of get those, you know, for I hate this to use this terminology, to, but to get those brands in front of right, eyes. Oh, yes. And you can do that now that you have some of these, you know, places like Charleston Battery or, or you know, to go back to them, mm-hmm. they are a stable, a semi-stable brand in terms yeah. of, a, you know, it's a pro soccer city that's stood a, a pretty good test of time yeah. in some difficult times. Get them in front of people nationally and maybe people latch onto them. Yeah, Pittsburgh, you know, get the Pittsburgh Riverhounds out there. Right, stuff like yeah, that. I mean, that's how I became a Reading fan, though. Is, exactly. I mean, the first year that they're in the Prem, I'm watching a, a team that had just been promoted that has two Americans on them. You know, it's not the sexiest team in England, but right. it's what I ended up sticking with, and that's how I found them is, is through, through some... It got, it got Steve Sidwell to, to uh, Chelsea, <laughs> though, didn't it? It did get yeah. Sidwell. Reading fans are very bitter about that because we think we could have stayed up the the year after that if he had stuck around instead of riding the pine at he Chelsea. Didn't, for I was going to say he didn't stay up yeah, the next he, year yeah, either. Yeah, um, yeah no, it, it's and I think 
we can agree more soccer is better. Yeah. Yeah. More Always. opportunities to watch Generally. soccer and to, you know, to consume the product of soccer. You know, again, the kind of go into the marketing range a little bit. But yeah, I'd like to see that happen, though. I'd like to see somebody finally just sit down and organize it and, and instead of just every year they kind of haphazardly yeah, move through the competition, you know? It would be easy, too, to just increase the regionality a little bit, too. So you, yeah. you have wider regions so, yeah, so think, you can yeah, have a little think, bit yeah. of differential i mean so you, you don't have teams coming from california to play on the east coast mm-hmm. so maybe you're getting a southern california yeah i mean if you Seattle keep the first something. i mean if you still keep it regional but you broaden your region like, yeah. yeah i think matt, matt kind of touched on that a little bit that you can throw like a charleston into the same kind of region as the unions yeah. and, and new york is yeah. in so you could, you could get that instead of you know just Jim, condensing curtain, it more curtain used the example of fc cincinnati you yeah. know at that would be an interesting thing. I mean, for Philadelphia to go to Cincinnati, you know, that's, what would that cost? That's, I mean, you know, even that's, as a writer, a, that would be – It's a long bus ride. Even, <laughs> even as a writer, if you could get like a $200 flight to Cincinnati, like that would be a cool thing to go cover right. just because of the atmosphere there. You've and, been dying and, to go to Cincinnati, haven't you? I have not – well, I don't know that I've been <laughs> dying to go to Cincinnati, but I – I mean, they put chili on everything, so right. So why not? Yeah, why not? But, but, uh, but I mean, even that—that that would be kind of just a cool thing to right. Because again, yeah. you're opening and then you're opening up more markets. You're yeah. opening yeah. up, you know, you're, you're you're kind of spreading it around, and that's kind of what MLS has been moving to. You're seeing, you know, Atlanta getting a team finally. Uh, it sounds like Miami might actually happen. I, I don't know if I believe it, but it sounds I, like I won't believe it until so after you're, you're, the you're, first you're, season is over. You're finally kind of getting this geographic connectivity in MLS where you have more, you know, Midwest teams, you're having more Southern teams, you're having more, you know, West coast, California, Cascadia teams. So you're finally getting that connectivity. So this could be another step to it for the sport in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Curtin made the interesting point that I do want to bring up. Cause I know we've been on this probably for too long, um, <laughs> but the possibility of affiliates being in there, I, I think there's a way that that can happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and it should that happen. Red Bulls yeah. too could be in there. Right. You know, there's ways to draw the brackets where they don't play each other, mm-hmm. where there's ways to you know do what they do in the FA Cup, which is constantly have a draw, some kind of regionalized yeah. draw to make sure that that doesn't happen, to have the union designate, okay, these are the 28 union players, these are the – it's not going to be a full 18, but these are the yeah. 14 or whatever, you know, 16, enough to have a game. Right, right. Like it's a- pl- or uh, Bethlehem Steel players that can play. That just puts more in there. That's more games. It's yep. more things you can package. It's more interest. And yeah. wouldn't you, you know, if you're a Philly fan, wouldn't you love to see Bethlehem Steel beat the Red Bulls? Sure. Yeah. If you're if you're a Red Bulls fan, wouldn't you love to see Red Bulls too beat a bad Union team on, in a certain year? <laughs> yeah. I, that'd be right. a hilarious storyline to be able to write about. Right. You know. It's um, there. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. More is better. I yeah. think that's what we've determined. Uh, we could switch gears to the good old U.S. of A, getting four points out of two games. Yeah, what and, a good week, yeah. And U.S. and, and World Cup qualif- qualifying. Four great, points is fantastic. what we were hoping for last week, right? Fa- fantastic. Really, really good win against TNT. And then, you know, it wasn't a classic at the Azteca, but it's a point. And anytime you walk out of there with a result, that's great. And anytime you get to see Michael Bradley, man, oh man, what a goal that was! Forty yards. John Stone with a great call. Just in, there was like Al Michael level of disbelief in his voice. Like, what did I just, you know, what did I just? (laughs) Kind of. It was so early. Just Bradley, Bradley goal and bunker, and I think they did a good job. They, you know, they could have actually pushed for a game winner a couple times. They had some opportunities. They hit the post. Um, Pulisic just kind of pushed one, pushed one wide. I thought he was going to score, didn't you? Uh, And the Bobby Wood chance that was was immediately preceding the Mexico goal. So, 
it's a good performance and it's interesting to see the difference in six months and not just because of yeah. three-man backline against Mexico when under Klinsman and then under Arena. I think Omar Gonzalez, I don't know if you guys saw, had a really good quote. I think it was, he was, I think it was with Ives, uh Larsep that like with Klinsman, a lot of times you just didn't know what was going to happen. Right. You were a player and he kind of left a lot of things late. This plan has been in place for a while now. Mm-hmm. This kind of having two teams, two formations, kind of two approaches in these two in, in the Trinidad game and in the Mexico game. This the, the foundation was laid a while ago, yeah. and Arena knew that he was going to do this. Probably when the draw came, well, probably when he got the job and he saw mm-hmm. the schedule, he knew this is what he wanted to do, and so everybody was kind of like wringing their hands. Well, how can he throw everything in disarray and change this and that? But that was always the plan, and it was always implemented in training. And the players knew what the plan was, and they knew their roles, yeah. which you never saw with Klinsman. And, from, I was, I and was, from day one, they trained it. They yeah. trained three at the back. Yeah. So it didn't look like they got out on the field, and this was the first time that they had played right. with three in the back, <laughs> which, as we've seen, does not often go well. Yeah. I mean, I was worried about that 11 in Mexico when it came out, though. Yeah. Were you guys? I was, I was kind was of surprised. Kind of weird. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, some guys get in the bench. Uh, apparently, there's with Howard. They they're keeping a really close eye on his recovery because of the surgery they had earlier. So yeah. they they're I was like, I was surprised his, by that. Yeah, I, I was too. But kind of hearing the the rationale behind it, I was a little less so that they're really closely tracking. You know how closely he can play two you know games. So you think Guzan should have done better on the goal? Mm. I think he certainly could have. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I, I I think th- you know, I put this out on Twitter afterwards about whether or not this game at all shapes the kind of reputation that Brad Guzan has about not being necessarily a big game goalkeeper. Yeah. And it would be for 2018 because you're going to decide, is it a 39-year-old Tim Howard or is it, uh, I guess, Guzan will be 33 then. I think it's yeah. pretty safe to say that right now the next World Cup cycle is very much in Brad Guzan's hands, barring some kind of... I don't know, renaissance from Dave Bingham or something. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, Guzan needs to sort himself out a little bit, though, because he ended the season extremely poorly in Middlesbrough, who had a very poor end of the season themselves mm-hmm. as a club. But I think individually, he was a very poor goalkeeper. Right. I think he let in a number of goals that he should have come up with at the end of that season. Yeah, and, and he'll have the opportunity with Atlanta to be, it's going to be a little tough, but, you know, reintegrating into a new te- integrating into a new team and trying to figure that out. Um I don't know that it's necessarily a situation where you look at what he did at the Azteca and say, okay, this is definitely the number one goalkeeper. This is his. Tim Howard now has to win it away from him. Um, but I think it is a good result, and he did the job, yeah. which is, yeah, is I mean, something key. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know the the game plan was get a result. They got a result, yeah. and he, he was part of that. Yeah, he, it, it was a good effort from Vale at the, you know, to get the you know to kind of work on on bees, it was almost like a basketball play where mm-hmm. you know, it was like one on one and everybody kind of cleared out you know on on that play, but yeah he might he might have been a little stronger on that because then yeah they so. also could they could have fouled him up the field too. yeah I, I, I think <laughs> that's, Cal, that, Cal, is Cal, a, that is always an option in Concacaf qualifying you <laughs> yeah, could have just fouled him you could have just you, thrown you a might guy not to, even get a yellow card <laughs> who knows or you might get three either or, way yeah. <laughs> Might not even be a free kick. You just foul him, take the ball away, and yeah. go the other way. I mean, that's that's we've seen that happen. We saw it in the game. Um, so the U.S. I think they're done till September now, right? Yep. yep. So, so and 
they're in a lot better shape than they were. It's yeah. incredible what, like I said, just a few months can make and just the attitude this team has and going from just being embarrassed by uh, the Costa Rica, you know, just one of the worst games I've seen the U.S. play maybe ever. And yeah. and, and they're now at the point where um, I guess they've got four games left in the hex. Mm-hmm. Their three toughest games are behind them, the two yeah. Mexico games and at Costa Rica. So you know, they've got Costa Rica at home. Um, I guess they've still got another tough Central American trip, and they do have to go to Trinidad yeah. and, and Tobago. Yeah. But, you know, four games left. Could you see them getting 10 points or sure. something yeah. close yeah. to that? Or at the, I think at the very least, I mean, win, uh, win your home the, games and you're, you're into the At least you, you've put yourself in pole position now, too, that it's in your own hands. They're in third place. If they finish in third place, yeah, I think people would be disappointed because mm-hmm. you're thinking of the U.S. as one of the top two teams in Concacaf. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they they spotted but, they spotted everybody else like six points, six points basically. Yeah, yeah. so that to kind of dig yourself out of that, yeah. out of the problems they had, you know, and and to have the performances they had, I thought that they were very good against TNT. I thought mm-hmm. it was a little nerve wracking waiting for the goal to come, but you felt like it was yeah. going to come, and then the result in Mexico, I think, is huge. Can, can we talk about Christian Pulisic? You can't. Oh, not man. And oh, this yeah. is fun, can, isn't it? Can we not? <laughs> this is fun. And you know, he saw, you know, two or three Mexican shirts all game in that in Azteca, and that's going to happen. He's yeah. He, he's you want to call him the best player on the US? Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I can probably call him that. He's the best player in the TNT yeah. game. Yeah, he, oh, he's absolutely the best but, player yeah, by he, far. He, you know, he's an eighteen-year-old kid. He's still got a lot to grow and a lot to learn, and he's going to have games like that. He's going to be targeted now, especially. Going away to hostile places like the Azteca, going to Honduras, they're going to just try to kick lumps out of them, and that's yep. part of playing in Concacaf, playing for the U.S. It's part of the thing you got to kind of have to learn. Yeah, and I thought, you know, did he have a great game against Mexico? No, but but they popped up in the right places. Yeah, he popped up. He, he created a couple chances. I love I love that uh, midfield three against Mexico. I thought yeah. that was a really effective midfield three. I thought you know obviously Bradley with the goal was mm-hmm. a bonus, but I thought he played really well in the the deeper role. I thought Kellen Acosta next to him had a really great game. Yeah, yeah uh, for another young guy, and it's just so refreshing to see Kellen Acosta in there. And finally, it's been so long to try and change these generations away from Kyle Beckerman and Jermaine Jones, and, yeah. and obviously. Both of those guys have done immense work for the national team, and they've had wonderful careers. But yeah. the time has come to no, play, it's yeah. turn the page. Yeah. Yeah. And Kellen Acosta goes a long way towards turning yeah. the page. No, I, th- I think that closes the book on Beckerman, and I think it pushes Jones to the very brink of being involved on this team. Yeah, I think I think you probably only you know, probably only use Jermaine Jones if you need a late yellow card somewhere. He'd <laughs> yeah. be good for it. He, um, I've been down on Jones for a very long time, so they, they can facilitate removing him from the national team. I would make me yeah. very well, happy. Yeah, I, you know, I think Acosta has you know definitely made a name for himself in MLS the last yeah. couple of years playing in Dallas, and he's been very, very good down there. And I, I thought the game against Mexico, he was very sound positionally. Yeah. I thought he had a good partnership with, with Bradley, and they, they, they seem to have themselves sorted out defensively. They're really good passers of the ball uh, over distance, which is huge. Yeah, uh, that, And that, then you have Pulisic floating around in the top of that that. That's the thing, and, and I, I think they're they're giving him free the freedom that he needs. I think, yeah, to to, to thrive, especially against Dante. Just, I, I definitely think you'll see him move back out to the wing for certain certain points yeah. too. I think you know, judging on who you're playing, and and if you wanted to maybe get him a little freer from yeah, get him away the, from from the double team. Yeah, yeah, you might move him back out to to one of the wings because he's mm-hmm. you know he's proved that he can do that very effectively too at Dortmund. So. 
I, I do I do kind of like the the setup the three you know the three at the back and allowing yeah. Fabian Johnson and DeAndre Yedlin to be those kinds of wing wing backs yeah, I think bomb, they yeah. are wonderfully suited for that absolutely I, I, it's kind of depend I I don't know elsewhere on the depth chart if they have anybody else that can really do that I don't know that Paul Ariola is going to be a mm-hmm, wing back mm-hmm. in a big time game or anything like that so I don't know that there's a ton of depth there to say okay this is our system and and be rigid about that. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think you're going to use guys like Nagby or, or anything yeah. like that in that position. Um, but I do like it when those guys are healthy. That's a very good option. Yeah, uh, and it's it's nice to see guys put in positions to thrive. Yeah. I mean, maybe that, you can that, maybe you can use Zuzi in that kind of yeah. position. But yeah. I think those might be the only ones. Right. I mean, that's that's kind of the the other knock on Klinsman is like he, just the way he just moved the guys around on the field, and there was no continuity, and you were taking a you know, not playing the guy's strengths and things like that. So seeing people, especially getting Michael Bradley to move back and mm-hmm. sit deeper and, you know, his ability to use kind of the whole field and see the whole field and kind of being that commanding presence that we all expect him to be when he's up closer and he's more pressure to create and distribute. That's, you know, it, it takes away, you're taking away the best parts of his game, essentially. Yeah. So seeing him more in his comfortable spot where he's kind of, you know, he's got the whole field to work with. He's got the whole field to see, and you know, he's able to get get guys involved from that deeper spot. It's it, it's just it's so much nicer. Yeah. So, uh, we'll wrap it up on that. Yeah. Yeah. Works for me. Uh, do we do to do, do a prediction? We for do tomorrow? because we, 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 we get hassled. If we, we get hassled if we don't do predictions. Can we I don't get? Know. Is it just going to be a weather prediction? Like what kind of odd <laughs> weather? Uh, There's I'm, a chance of thunderstorms, isn't there? Is there a plague of locusts? Can I've, we get one of those? I've got, I, I'm going to take lightning delay. Lightning sure, delay? There has to be. I mean, a 7.30 game, which would be great for my print <laughs> deadline. <laughs> lightning delay, those are always... So I like the big the big ominous screen yeah. when there's a lightning delay. Everybody seek shelter. And, it's always nice because you could stand out there and you can see it coming from miles oh, ahead. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, oh boy, this is going to be bad. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that stuff gets through before the game. Um, so I think it's going to be a little cooler, so they're not going to be playing in you know this 100-degree weather, so that's sure the players will be happy about that. I'm going to go... I'm going to go 3-1 Union. Uh, I, th- I think Harrisburg might just bang one in kind of accidentally. So I'm going to say 3-1 Union. I'm going to go 2 nothing. I, I, don't, I don't think they should be giving up uh, – they shouldn't be giving up a goal to Harrisburg. So. No, they shouldn't be, but it could happen. I, 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 it's, t- it's the weirdness of the cup. The cup, weird things happen I think they cup prefer games. magic. Magic. The magic magic the is the cup. Sure. I think I think I don't know. Would it fit on a T-shirt? Better weirdness of the cut. No, I think magic probably better on a T-shirt. You couldn't do it as a now, hashtag. I'm, I'm, my, I'm, I'm pushing for that job. I want to be the cup czar. Absolutely. This is how we're going to get there. I'm going to be the cup. I'm, T-shirts. I'm going to. This is how. Yeah. This is how we. You know, bumper stickers and zany T-shirts. That's how we're going to do uh, it. That's what's going to sell. Yeah. Okay. It's better. Well, it's better than whatever their plan is now. <laughs> yeah, well. That's true. All right. What's your prediction? I, I, I'm going to take both of your predictions and double down and go three nothing Union. There you go. Okay. Um. So there you have it. The union will advance. We've predicted it here, uh, and we're always right. We're always right. <laughs> oh, Don't even bother going I, to the game because you know what's going to happen. I've warned yeah. people. I've I've said this. If you're using our you know predictions to bet money, don't do that. No, no, just no. don't. Don't ever do that. No. So I want to thank uh, from the Delco Times, Matt the George. Matt, tell us where we can read your stuff, follow you on social media, all that happy you stuff. You can find me on DelcoTimes.com where I'll be previewing tomorrow night's game. Uh, the blog is at UnionTally.blogspot.com mm-hmm. and you can follow me on Twitter at SportsDoctorMD. But no, no other podcasts, right? No, no, no. other podcasts. 
This week. This week. <laughs> um, so I want to thank uh, Mike Cervetia for always hanging out with us. Just a quick programming note. We will be off next week. Uh, we have some scheduling issues and, and the like for next week, but we will return the week after that. And, I think I think I might be away that week. Uh, yes. We'll, see, we'll talk. We'll but, figure but it out. We'll have a, maybe, uh, maybe I can call in from Canada. We'll have a secret special guest uh, sitting in Cervetio's uh, chair. So, uh, so we'll see everybody in two weeks.